Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. So welcome to the Hermetic Mystery School Frater R.C. class on the mystical Kabbalah of the Tarot. I'm going to make my screen view. There we go. Yeah, that's right. Speaker. Okay, we'll let that person back in. Technically, they're late, but yeah. So once I start the class, I don't uh, usually admit more people because that's uh, it's distracting. But this is fine. This is perfect. Welcome, welcome. So. Let's begin. I hope you all have your 22 major arcana of one of your semi-traditional decks as you wish. The Rider Waite is fine, of course, or the Yates Smith as it should probably be called, but that's a subject for another time. I mean, we can touch on that briefly. It's, it's worth repeating over and over and over again that the recent lecture released last year by Roger Parasus, which was actually recorded in the 80s, uh, but then archived. Yes, you can uh, write comments, of course, in questions there, and we'll get to them at the end. If you have questions, just put them down, or if I see them as I go, I'll, I'll address them. Um, and Roger Parasus was the archivist for uh, Yeats in Ireland and the secretary for the Theosophical Society in Ireland for many years, and he came upon an observation which he thought would uh, make a nice little master's thesis for uh, you know another master's degree. He probably already had a few or maybe not. And so he presented a lecture in London, I believe, uh, with Ari Gilbert and all of those other people on the origins of the Rider Waite tarot deck. And through his research as a, the archivist for Yeats's materials. I believe that's what he was, but you can you can listen to the lecture yourself. It's only about 20 minutes and it's by Roger Parasus. I do have it linked on a playlist on my own uh, YouTube page, but it's an amazing lecture, especially as it gets into the details of the, the scheme that he sees geometrically or, and narratively for the, the major arcana in particular. 
but all of the deck really. And the, the key thing worth noting about that Rider Waite deck is that he shows that it was really Yates who went to Waite because Waite, uh, you know, I guess needed something to do. And Yates brought in, you know, uh, Pamela Coleman Smith, who was another member of the GD, and gave Waite the uh, Grail mythology from Welsh myth to base this tarot deck on as a standard tarot deck. And that's why the magician card in the Rider Waite deck uses the five gems or treasures of Ireland, the cauldron, the stone, and the staff, instead of the uh, five golden dawn magical tools, which were then added onto the Regardi Wang deck. But the original Rider Waite deck used the five mystery treasures of Ireland for each of the kingdoms um, because it was based on Celtic and specifically Welsh grail lore. Up until Roger Parasus's lecture, it was believed it was based on more continental myths and general grail stories, in particularly Wolfram von Eschenbach's Parsifal grail myth. Uh, Sandra Tabitha Cicero, for example, did a whole lecture at one of these Golden Dawn meetings and presented all this information like so, but it, it's really because she hadn't been to that lecture ye, uh, 10 years earlier that Roger gave and because uh, Adam McLean, who had recorded it, I believe, uh, didn't release it because uh, Roger Parasus was planning on keeping that information for a little master's degree for himself. And so it was archived and it wasn't released till just last year, January. And it's like a bombshell really, because it really shows you how the Rider Waite deck is the Yates Smith deck. Um, and since of course it's open, I, I think that someone should release a, a deck like a version of it under that name. Um, now that it's open content, what open license, that would be really hilarious and maybe throw in a bit more Yates stuff um, because he really was sort of a major influence behind it, probably more so than than weight. He probably had more of an influence on how it, the concepts and, and symbols and stuff were designed. And it makes sense that Yates didn't do it himself. He was just too busy. He was doing everything. So we were left with the writer weight and even the artist herself got, had her name removed from the project essentially, which is uh, not that surprising given A.E. Waite's sort of old school masculine approach to life. He, I don't think he was one of the most egalitarian members of the Golden Dawn, but which was, which is, I'm not really sure, but it was quite a feminist order really when you get down to it. I mean, it was designed to allow women on equal footing and women pretty much ran the show and funded it. So there we go. Whether you're using the Ryder Waite or the Yates Smith or the Regardi Wang or the Crowley, even the Crowley has issues, but those issues are are tricky and not as straightforward as you would think, like the switching of the hay with the Tsadi, the emperor with uh, the star card, Aquarius. As an Aquarius myself, that irks me some, so it's problematic, but he doesn't change actually the ordering of it, of Tsadi. He also, you could actually just white that out, put in hay, and the, the ordering of the card still stays the same. <laughs> And uh, then you could just change the, the hates of the Tsadi. So if you want to make the Crowley deck more in alignment with the traditional system, Crowley was correcting for things he thought were, were wrong, but it's because he, he just, he was lacking in knowledge of, of what he was doing because he never finished. He only did 10% of the Golden Dawn training. The other 90% was in the in order, which he failed his test to get into. And uh, this is well addressed in, by Stephen Skinner. Um, in various places. So 
you can look more into it there. I mean, the Complete Magicians tables address this and uh, some of the other points about it is are addressed by even uh, Lon Milo in his uh, understanding the Thoth Tarot. So here we go. The The cards each have a uh, correspondence to one of the three Hebrew, uh, three forms of Hebrew letters. We have three mother letters, seven double, <laughs> and, uh, and the single letters. Uh, the double letters are called double letters in part because they often have a double sound. Kaf is haf and, uh, you know, what else? I got flustered, didn't I? Bit, vit, bv. Anyway, the uh, first thing we're going to do is just go through the correspondences. Each of the cards have attributed to them uh, what's called a heaven of a Sia and a tool of the path. So the heaven of a Sia for the fool card is air. The tool of the path is the dagger or the fan. The magician card, which have your cards and you can just look through them as we go. Magician card corresponds in the heaven of Asaya to Mercury, and its tool is the Wander Caduceus. These tools are, of course, very important and very rarely spoken of, but very useful in path working when you're doing inner vision work, and also when you're working with that path and intelligence moving between Sephira on the Tree of Life, and also especially when you're working with the angels of that path and you're looking for communication or charging them with a task, doing evocation of any sort or invocation. The high priestess, which corresponds to Luna, has as her tool the bow and arrow. The empress, which is Venus for the heaven of Asaya, is the girdle. The emperor, Ares, has the horns and the burin. And a burin, of course, is the horn you drink from, I believe. And the emperor card is Taurus, or Aries, and the horns in Burin, right. And then the Hierophant, we have Taurus and preparations. The lovers is Gemini, and the tool of the path is the tripod. The chariot is Cancer, and its tool is the furnace. The strength is Leo, and its tool is disciplines. The hermit is Virgo, and its tool is lamp and wand, but also bread. The wheel of fortune is Jupiter, and its tool is the scepter. Justice is Libra, and its cross, its tool is the cross of equilibrium. That's a specific uh, equal-armed cross, of course. The hanged man is represented by water, and its tool is the cup and cross, but also wine. Death is Scorpio, and its tools, I love this one actually of all of them a lot, is its tools are obligation and pain. We'll talk about these in a, in a second. Temperance is Sagittarius, and its tool is the arrow. The devil is Capricorn, and its tools are the secret force and the lamp. The tower is Mars and its tool is the sword. The star is Aquarius 
and its tool is the sensor and the aspergillum. So the sensor is, of course, what you wave the incense smoke from the, you know, the, uh, there's another word for it. I'm forgetting it present, but the sensor is what you have the incense in. And the aspergillum is the handle that has a sponge at the end and that you dip into the cup to spring water at people for purification. The moon is Pisces and its tool is the magic mirror. It's a good one to remember. The sun is the corresponds to the sun for the heaven of Asaya and its tool is the bow and arrow. Judgment is fire and its tool is the wand or lamp. And the universe is Saturn and its tool is the sickle. So when you're working with the tools, they can be very, very effective things to visualize having when you go into a, into a path and you're working with a, a guide on path working journeys. But also, if you're working with the angel, obviously, having those tools in, in front of you are useful for contacting that angel if you want to hold them in your left hand. In the GD, traditionally, we actually hold the magical tools we're using in our left hands, um, not in our right active hands. Like So when we're invoking water or bashing water, we hold the chalice in our left hand and draw the symbols with our right. We don't actually use the tools to draw symbols. That's something commonly misunderstood. So having these tools there, holding those tools while you invoke the angel or in trace symbols of invocation, or even holding the tools while drawing sigils on for talismans. These things are very effective. But of course, some of the tools of these paths are not exactly things you can hold, like obligation and pain. So that's why they're especially effective when path working the path. And we talked about this last week when we covered path working. And as you can see, these, these practices and these classes, the things we're talking about intimately interact with each other because in, and we're not going to, in not any of them are we giving all the details for any one thing all at once, because you really do want to gain an understanding of them throughout practice. You want to do exercises, learn bits of information, then do more exercises, learn more bits of information, especially when you're on a solo practice or a self-initiatory journey. You need to challenge yourself. We've talked about this a lot. Um, and so from the tarot contemplation rituals, which we've covered the best way to really test yourself so that your own higher genius lets you know when you're done and ready to move on to path working. And then path working, again, you're working with guides in the paths of, of the, from the universe onward. So it's quite easy to find out when you're ready for the next path um, because you're doing that many, many times over a period of time and you're gonna have experiences that lead you to understand when it's time to move to the next path. You can also, of course, always just talk to the guide or the angel of that path. We didn't talk about the angels of the paths last time and that's because again, we don't wanna have information overload and get overwhelmed and you really wanna just start practicing the technique and see what comes. And also developing personal relationships with guides that just spontaneously come to you and pathworking is a very useful thing to do. You don't always wanna necessarily summon the archangel of that path uh, when you, what you're essentially doing in pathworking is you know, dealing with the alchemy of your own transformation and your own understanding of where these forces live in you and what you need to overcome when facing them. And that's what really the tools of the paths are about is, is understanding these, 
symbols on an astral level. And so things like obligation and pain make a lot of sense. While you may not be able to hold them, just like you can hold a girdle or a bow and arrow in the astral plane, developing these tools of that path gives you insight to the path and how to bring balance to the path, as well as to create a stronger egregore of those energies within your being because you're creating the egregore of the heavens of Asaya. These, these cards are representing letters and the letters are what make creation um, from the single point of light to the cube, to the cross and to the, the rose, of course, that's the sequence of symbols that we use in, in the Rosicrucian traditions, which is, Golden Dawn, OTO, you name it, Martinist, it, it all really goes back to this uh, Rosicrucian core understanding that is the manifestation of many, many mystery traditions all flowing together and crisscrossing through the secret streams. So disciplines, for example, in strength, when you're pathworking Leo or, or contemplating the, the Leo card, developing disciplines in your life helps you unlock those tools and if you're working with that angel it makes a lot of sense that you would create for example a specific discipline that you're making as sort of an offering to that angel say i will have this discipline in my life for this amount of time and i am entreating you to help me with this thing whether it's related to that discipline or not it doesn't matter it's your it's something you're putting on the altar of burnt offering for that being for that spirit to interact and have an energy exchange with you. I'm a, I'm a big believer in uh, what people like Aaron Leach think and uh, Stephen Skinner. Uh, I think he also thinks that, you know, a lot of what spirits are doing with us, you know, from everything to do with our altars set up for them, our offerings and our rituals of invoking and evoking them. A lot of what's happening is an energy exchange. And my own experiences have really testified to that being the case. So when I heard the, that there was authors spouting those theories, I was quite readily able to agree with what they noticed. The devil, the secret force in Capricorn, that's an interesting one. And I'm not gonna give that away. I'm gonna let you all all flounder with that and explore it and, and see what you think. Cause, cause that's, that's, it's just such a cool thing. You gotta, you gotta ask yourself, what is the secret force and uh, do work with the devil to, uh, to learn about that. And I think you'll be nicely surprised by what you come up with. Pretty much everyone, I think, usually ends up with the same, the same idea. The magic mirror, the moon in Pisces, that's a fun one because, of course, who doesn't like building magic mirrors or working with magic mirrors? If you haven't done that kind of work yet, um, you have many exciting things ahead of you. But a lot of people like to develop these tools as they work through the paths. Um, whether they're collecting them physically or working with them masterly. Again, the thing to remember is that to as you master the heavens of Asaya, as you master the associated forces, whether it's the elemental ones, the planetary ones, or the, uh, the zodiacal ones, um, you're, you're, you're infusing that in your sphere. You're working with that energy. The more you know that energy, the more you can call it up later. And that's where the tool helps you connect with that energy. You're building associations psychologically in your mind, but you're also creating them through names and images on the astral plane and developing those egregores so that they bring you power. Now, if you've uh, written down the archangel names, this is, uh, you might 
add uh, add to them more as we as we go over. Then these are the interpretations from from McGregor Mathers about each of the tarot cards and the major arcana and and what he saw them as sort of mystically and alchemically representing. And it's they're not necessarily the the clearest thing, uh, but there's a lot of insight in them, uh, especially if you look at the the Sefer Yetzirah and the intelligences behind it. You got to remember, of course, intelligences is another word for angel. Like they used to be called intelligences, and so there was 32 intelligences of the Tree of Life, and. 10 of those intelligences are very obviously sephirotic, the 10, the 10 spheres, and the other ones are clearly the, the netivot, the of the paths that connect the tree of life. And that's where Crowley got lost. He, could, he saw no relationship between them and the 10 intelligences of the spheres, but that's because he was reading them in English and it's very obvious in Hebrew, but again, you need to, need to actually know Hebrew. To, to see that. And that's what we'll cover in depth in a next year, probably, or in the, in the air phase of the Hermetic Mystery School. We're in spirit, we're gonna move into earth soon, and then we'll get into air probably, I think in uh, September, yeah. So we'll, we'll go into deeper Kabbalah in September. Uh, but for now, so look at the Fool card. I want you just to contemplate the fool card in front of you. And I'm going to, I'm going to be adventurous because I know the Rigardi Wang so much. I'm going to try doing this with, uh, with Crowley's. So I want you to stare at the, at the, at the fool card and just sort of contemplate it for a second and keep staring at it. Well, you let these sort of words from McGregor Mathers fill your mind. And if you get any impression, any, any thought after I finish reading it, make that note under that card or angel, however you've written down in your notebook. So looking at the fool card, consider that this is representing the prima mobile, the first movement acting through air on the entire zodiac. If you consider the first swirlings of the creation of the universe, as it still is existing, not something in the past tense, but still constantly flowing and creating itself day by day over and over again. But something that, oh, then, then in reality, when you contemplate that constant creation of existence and creation constantly creating itself, you come to the realization that time is nothing. So think of that as you stare at the card. Think of existence constantly creating itself all the time. So this is very similar to Goethe's idea of nature naturing. There's nature natured, which is the manifest universe, but then there's nature natured, naturing, which is nature constantly naturing itself and making nature natured. Uh, it makes, it's a, it's, it's usually said in Latin as natura naturata and natura naturans, but it makes more sense to us English speakers in English. So think about that as you stare at that card, that because creation is constantly creating itself, there is no real time. You can understand that this 
first swirling will have an impact on the created zodiac through the maternal element of air. So if you have any thoughts, just write them down there. But this is a, a, a meditation form of contemplation on each card that has always yielded me a lot of results. And I'll show you through an exercise after we go through all of these, how I use that to chart my own progress and story um, using the cards in an exercise that is different from path working, different from invocation or evocation, but still incredibly powerful as a, as a spiritual and narrative tool. Next, we're going to pull up the Magus. So stare at your Magus card. Just, I, you know, hopefully you have a candle lit and incense going like me. If you don't, that's fine. Magic should be doable anywhere, anytime. Stare at the Magus. Or the Magician, as he's properly called. This is the crown of understanding. In the beginning of material production, the beginning of material production. This is the force that combines the different attributes and begins to give them manifestation. It is the prima mobile acting through the philosophic Mercury on Saturn. Again, it is important to think in terms of the first swirlings acting through philosophic Mercury on the planet Saturn. It is here that you must know your correspondences on Saturn, time and creation. And again, we're not going to get too much into the theosophy of this because this is a doorway for you to explore. And make, I think that's what Mathers did with these insights, which are somewhat Kabbalistic, somewhat alchemical, but really just designed to, they, this would have been shared probably with only adepts back in the day, but I think it's a good place to actually start with the tarot is uh, really getting into that personal connection and interpretation that will take a bit further towards the end. So if you had any thoughts or notes there, write that down. The beginning of, of action on philosophic Mercury on Saturn and the manifestation of material production as the magician. The high priestess, take the high priestess in your hand and stare at that beautiful image. High priestess, of course, corresponds to the moon and Gimel, which is Hebrew word for camel. I always love thinking of the high priestess in terms of Gimel. When I'm writing in my diary that it's the high priestess in a position, I just always write Gimel. Sometimes I'll write the Hebrew letters. Sometimes I'll write the heaven of Asaya. Um, and sometimes, yeah, usually one of those two, that's when I, how I write it. But with the high priestess, Gimel the camel always makes sense to me because I think of wisdom and the journey to wisdom being an arid one, a dry and challenging one that is, is not done easily, but done at great expense over vast distances where there really is often at times nothing else. So I see myself often on a camel going through the empty deserts under the full moonlight. And that's a very powerful image for me when I think of what the high priestess brings us and what we are willing to give up to achieve that knowledge of Gnosis through her. McGregor Mather says, this is the crown of beauty, the beginning of sovereignty and beauty. 
Here we have the Prima Mobile. Prima Mobile is always the prime mover or, or Keter or sort of the Ensof. Ensofor, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Latin term used to describe just the initiation, the grand initiator, you know, of forces. It's a flexible term, but also precise. Here we have the Prima Mobile acting through the moon on the sun. He says, this no doubt explains the fluctuations often felt by adepts that work this path. So really think about the high priestess as the action of the moon on the sun and that this action is what creates the crown of beauty and is the beginning of sovereignty and beauty. I, depending on how well you know the tree of life, this can mean different things to you. But it's also, remember, really important to, to let your meditative, free-flowing mind associate images and, and show you interpretations that just spring forth from your own numinous heart and core, because that is tells you a lot about where you're at and what you need to do to work with something. And when things really stand out, that's usually a sign that it's worth path working a card, or as I would always say, do the tarot contemplation of a card a bunch. And then if you really need to path work it. And if you need to get super intense, like if a card is really um, jarring you or something about an image, if you feel like you're really going through a certain stage of life that is that the challenge of which is represented by that card, that's when you might get really hardcore and do a full, you know, invocation of the angel and commune with the angel of that path, or go further and do an evocation of the angel and maybe even a talisman consecration with the angel consecrating the talisman with you. That's sort of the progression of extremities that we often take these things. So usually go as far as you need to with each thing with each card, with each being, with each process, and do what, do what you need to do. Um, you don't always need to do the full meal deal with every single thing. You want to always gauge it in terms of where you're at in your journey and what you're, what you're going through, and what's going to be most useful to your, to your life and understanding. We're going to do the Empress now. So grab the Empress. This class might go a bit longer than I anticipated, but it's okay if we go over an hour. We'll, we'll get through it. The Empress is also a, a very, very beautiful card. Who doesn't love Venus? And Dalit being door, the connections of the Hebrew letter Dalit, which means door, and the power of Venus is very significant in, in the Golden Dawn initiation system. Um, but I won't get into that here. So the Empress is a card that represents of course sort of higher love it's not it's not romantic love uh like the the lovers often is but is of course that divine motherly love of the goddess and mcgregor mather says the wisdom of understanding the empress is the union of powers of origination and production it is the sphere of the zodiac acting through venus upon saturn here we have the zodiac with all of its energies and life giving force acting through the planet of ultimate desire on the planet of life and time. Perhaps this explains the nature of the empress.
Welcome to Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. I think it's interesting to consider that love and abundance is is really only contextualized by by time and death in a way um we have what we have because we are prior to this stage in which we lose that which we have and then once we lose that which we have we enter a different place where we gain something else moving on to the emperor I always like to think of the emperor less uh, Aries is obvious, but to me, the Hebrew letter, Hey, which corresponds to the emperor and means window to me always reminds me that, that an emperor is defined by someone who has perspective and who can see things beyond themselves. It's not someone who's necessarily being all Aries and rushing in and doing everything, which often Aries are sort of like, and as people, you know, they start a lot of things, but don't necessarily finish them as human Aries. Um, and my son just went into Aries with my birthday. So that's uh, going to be an interesting uh, many years ahead of me, but through the Hebrew letter, Hey, which of course is one of the letters of the Tetragrammaton, you have this idea of, of, of Vista and vantage. And I've always liked to look at the emperor as, as a, as a, benevolent potentially benevolent 
ruler of all that he sees. It's that part of us that looks out and doesn't need to tyrannize or take over, but just appreciates. And that's in that sense, we're all emperors of everything we can see when this card is not afflicted. Of course, when it's afflicted, it's, I want that, that's mine, this is yours, like, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. And that, that is definitely a, a, an afflicted form of, of the emperor. Of the emperor, McGregor Mathers says, the wisdom of sovereignty and beauty, the originator of them. So the originator of sovereignty and beauty, as well as their wisdom. With the emperor, we have the sphere of the zodiac acting through Aries upon the sun. This initiates spring. If you have any thoughts on that, just, just note it down. The best way to understand this energy is to think of the spring equinox, the influence of the sun into Aries, bringing us into a new point in the year and a new energy that is full of the fire of life. It's, it's interesting. It, um, I haven't read these in a very long time, but I thought they would be uh, interesting perspective that most people probably wouldn't take the time to compare in this kind of method. Um, but it's funny how just the way I've incorporated seeing the emperor in my own life through the insights of the letter hey, it's very similar to that. It's, and that's quite, that's quite interesting to, to note for myself. I love tarot. So moving on to Hierophant, here we go. Just let your mind take in all those images. If you're really good with tarot contemplation exercises, you can of course just close your mind and visualize the card perfectly. That would be hard to do with Crowley's cards, but much more easy to do with uh, the Regardi Wang deck, which is one of the reasons I use it for pathworking because it's a more simple and main basic images still done in sort of a light luminous color, you know, but much more easy to create that image in your mind than that. And so when you create this image in your mind for path working or even working with the angel, uh, yeah, it's, it's much more simple to just have, know that you have all the details there in your mind. The, the crown has, has three things like the letter Shin on his head with a single point above it for the Ensof or the Prima Mobile. So the Hierophant, he is the wisdom and foundation of mercy. He is the wisdom and foundation of mercy. It is the sphere of the Zodiac acting through Taurus upon Jupiter. So you can just imagine the sphere of the Zodiac moving through that Taurus upon Jupiter as you contemplate this card and holding these symbols using things like the tools and, and connecting them all when you go into a path working is, is really remarkable. It, 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 the compounding of the symbols and images makes the experience somehow often just thicker, like it physically can feel thicker or you might just have more vibrant visions. But uh, having these, these symbols stacked upon each other, um, chaos magic has a lot of theories about why this works and why it's important to be done and, and all of that stuff. I'm not sure if the theories are important, but they, they're definitely interesting. 
So the Hierophant is the wisdom and foundation of mercy. Moving on to the lovers. Again, this is not necessarily meant to be, we're not taking a full 10 minutes on each card to contemplate. These are, we're going through over how to do exercises and uh, certain texts like using the Sefer Yetzirah texts to guide you in a path working or to correspond to a working with the angel, which will, will, is what we'll end with. Um, those are also extremely powerful exercises. And then if you're on a self, self journey, a solo journey, journey or trying to initiate changes in your own life, like these are the kinds of exercises that really create that alchemical theosis in us when we're not operating in an initiatory tradition with people, places, things, and, and literal tests. We have to test ourselves. But it's also, that's because that's the path of any adept is to constantly challenge themselves doing more and more difficult and uh, challenging things. So the lovers, let me take a sip. The understanding of beauty and production of beauty and sovereignty. Saturn acting through Gemini upon soul. Some people mistakenly confuse the lovers as soul acting upon Saturn. This is incorrect, for we have the karmic time force of Saturn acting through the zodiacal energy on Gemini, that force of splitness and intellectual debate on soul, the life giver. It's very much stuff worth contemplating. The chariot. Yeah, we're gonna have to move a little, little more quickly through these. The chariot, understanding acting upon severity. Understanding acting upon severity. I believe, uh, was, was it one of you and me were talking about um, the Wheel of Fortune last night, cough, right? So we'll get there and we'll talk about it after in the wrap session. But the chariot, understanding acting upon severity, this is Saturn acting through cancer upon Mars. This explains why the chariot influences travel, victory, new life and success in many readings. However, because of the weakness of cancer, many times this victory is fleeting. Cancer, of course, is a, is a water sign and uh, not as stable as the earth signs. And that's, I think, what he means by weaknesses of cancer. Uh, he's not, not trying to diss cancers. <laughs> now we have justice. Beautiful justice in Libra. The Hebrew Lamed. Oh, wait, yes. The severity of beauty and sovereignty. I think I got my cards mixed up a little bit. Or that's because I'm using Crowley's deck. Well, don't worry about it. It's fine. Just jump to justice. <laughs> It really doesn't matter what order you do these in, um, just so you know. Because when you're uh, working with the paths, you're not usually ever working with them in sequence. Some kinds of sequence, you work with some in, in succession, but you're not, it's not just always a sequential thing, especially if you're following the Serpent of Wisdom up the Tree of Life. 
Justice, the severity of beauty and sovereignty. Mars acting through Libra upon soul. Mars unrestricted can not only be destructive or karmic in the sense that it is destructive energy, but it can also become cruelty. But when Mars energy is focused through the balancing power of Libra, we have justice. Yes, so Libra is very much a restrictive force on the energies of Mars. The Hermit, nine. The mercy of beauty, the magnificence of sovereignty. This is Jupiter acting through Virgo upon soul. Here again, we see this infinite mercy acting through the virginal sign of innocence and compassion, Virgo, upon soul, the power of the sun, the dispenser of the light to the earth. And uh, it's interesting to, to consider the symbols, of course, the tools of that card when, when looking at some of that, if you want to understand the movement of the intelligences between the Sephirot and the Netavot, the paths. Fortune, Wheel of Fortune. The mercy and magnificence of victory. This is Jupiter acting through Jupiter upon Venus. Lots of Jupiter. So fortune is Jupiter acting through Jupiter upon Venus. And, and that tells you a lot about um, how the manifestation of, of these energies, especially this heaven of Asaya, functions uh, and what it functions upon and where you place desire in your rituals, um, especially working for abundance. There's, there's a lot of insight there. I'm being slightly vague because it's worth exploring yourself. Uh, it's, it's highly rewarding to investigate some of these ideas, especially when you're keeping it interactive with a, a lively ritual work. These, these energies quote, come quite a bit to life the more you pathwork them. It is here that we have the incredible magnificence and bestowal and, of energy of Jupiter acting through the energy of Jupiter upon the power and fiery desire of Venus. Is it any wonder why the Wheel of Fortune is a powerful talisman for growth and prosperity in many areas? One of the secrets, I think, in, in that idea is, is the idea of, you know, we even have this in pop culture, like you, you can get what you want, but you have to really want it. Well, this card sort of gives you a bit of an insight into that, right? You need to not just have desire leading you to abundance in Jupiterian or Jovian abundance and, and success or whatever you you need to have abundance channeled through desire to abundance it's jupiter acting upon jupiter so you have to not just have one jupiter you got to have two you have to already have a, some abundance and work abundance upon abundance and i don't know if that makes sense but it makes a lot of sense to me just when i think about the way in which money magic works or, or accomplishment magic works at all, is you really do have to sort of have two Jupiters going on. Uh, manifest a bit of abundance within yourself before you can manifest it outside of you. And the action of that Jupiter acting upon another Jupiter, the micro Jupiter acting upon the macro Jupiter, through desire, through fiery desire of Venus, that's what leads to prosperity. Next, we have strength. Boom, boom. This 
is mercy tempering severity. I like that a lot. Strength is mercy tempering severity. This is the glory of strength. It is Jupiter acting through Leo upon Mars. Think of this for a moment in when you are studying the attributes of the strength card, you are learning about true strength. Here we have the benevolence and mercy of Hesed, the fourth Sephiroth, of course, Hesed, which is mercy, also meaning love uh, or glory in Hebrew, acting through the most powerful sign of the zodiac, which is Leo, the sun, upon the raging powers of Mars. It's a nice one. All right. Now we're doing the hanged man, 12. The severity of splendor. I should have used the Rigardi Wang deck for this because of the differences, but what can I say? I like, I like being adventurous sometimes and thanks for bearing with me. But yes, they're, they're all good. The hanged man, the severity of splendor, execution and of judgment. The severity of splendor. Mars acting through water upon Mercury. It is here that we have the incredible powers of Mars under the direction of Elohim Gibor, which is, you know, God of power, gods of power, Elohim Gibor. It's the divine name of Gibra, acting through the spiritual waters upon the intellect of Mer Mercury. I like that severity of splendor execution of judgment idea in the hanged man mars acting through water upon mercury when you think of the hangman which is is sort of a tricky card i mean we all know exactly what it means but we also know it can mean a lot of different things in certain certain situations and it can be a it's a much rougher energy than uh than th cards like the death card often are or even the tower the hangman can be much more about just true devastating loss at times and so when you consider that it's mars acting through water upon mercury you can you can really see that it's it's mars which is a transforming and potent force but it, because it hits you through your emotions it's very devastating in the hanged man in particular because it's it's this fiery force just pounding through water through the creative and sensitive side of yourself and act to act upon Mercury. So it's not a bad thing. That's why the hangman is a redemptive and transformative card because you want your Mercury to transform. You want to distill your Mercury into this, the philosophical Mercury or the stone of the wise. And the way you transform it is through Mars, but with the hangman, it's, it's acting through water. So the purification of your water element or as we would call it, practicus in the golden dawn the the exercises in that in that grade the the dark night that happens is very much explained by the hanged man and this mars acting through water to transform us it's like our mind and our higher cognition of other worlds of our higher self can't be transformed just acting straight upon air so acting straight upon mind it has to transform our emotions it has to change on a very deep level how we feel and sense our our place in the world rather than just changing our intellectual perception of ourselves if you really want to sacrifice for wisdom as 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 it's connected to the you know the odin myth you're losing 
you're losing something for something higher that is always in the hanged man and here it's like pointing out in this in this little thing that it's the action of of mars alchemical transformation of our wateriness that helps transform our cognition of higher things through mercury and that's a that's a powerful insight i think one worth dwelling on death now the fun stuff no scorpio and the hebrew letter nun the sovereignty and results of victory so you're looking at your death card the sovereignty and results of victory i mean right there you can see uh what all magicians tend to know which is the death card is actually a pretty great card and i always get really excited when i see it come up it's always it always bodes well in my experience like sometimes yes it does literally mean that there's death and there's always death in this world, of course, but but usually it does mean more the sovereignty and results of victory. Like you've already been through the suffering, usually when the death card's coming up, or and 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 now you get to actually reap the rewards of that transformation, that death. And so the sovereignty and results of victory. This is I love that idea that you have to be victorious before you get death. <laughs> you know. Um, this is soul acting through Scorpio upon Venus, or it is Osiris under the destroying powers of Typhon afflicting Isis. Here we see the formula of IAO, Isis, Apophis, Osiris, brought to full light and manifestation, the destruction and death of Osiris, the mourning of Isis, the victory of Typhon. It is through this path that the tunnel and doorway open to the vengeful resurrection and return to life of Osiris the Redeemer. And now, one of my favorite things about is uh, is uh, <laughs> the the alchemy card in in Crowley but uh, it's normally called temperance, of course, but I love the, I love the, the very alchemical symbolism of it as opposed to, uh, as a, in contradistinction to the traditional temperance, which is still alchemical, but it's just something about having the, the red and the white creatures, the, you know, eagle and the lion. They change a lot throughout uh, alchemical literature, just so you know, there's not a standard like red lion and peacock and green, green lion, red dragon, white dragons, they all keep changing. So don't think there's like one fixed set of alchemical symbols that all of these manuscripts are drawing or cohere, cohering to, cohesive with, uh, it's, it's not like that. The alchemical tradition is much more fluid and uh, just like the tarot allocations to the paths of the tree of life. So, and again, we'll get into that deep Kabbalah in the future. So the death card, no, wait, temperance. The beauty of a firm basis, the sovereignty of fundamental power. This is soul acting through Sagittarius upon Luna. Soul acting through Sagittarius upon Luna. If soul were to act directly upon Luna without Sagittarius, Luna would burn up and no longer exist. Thus, we have the aspect of temperance. Interesting, yeah. 
so Sagittarius is uh, this is a key card and symbolism in in the initiation that leads between the outer and inner orders of the Golden Dawn, um, and I won't say too much about that since it's really well covered in the mysteries of that full initiation and all the grade work that comes afterward, but. As we can all see spiritually and alchemically, this this card, um, Sagittarius, is very much about safely transmitting energy, safely transforming energy. Um, it's about directing current. It's a card that shows us the importance of being able to move energies without disrupting ourself internally. Um, and it's really something I think you'll find a lot of reward in pathworking and working with the tools and the angel of, of course, uh, especially when you are at stages of, of alchemy that require movement beyond where you're at in life. Uh, if you're doing that in the context of the grades, it's a major thing between the lesser mysteries and the greater mysteries or the lesser alchemical circulation and the greater alchemical circulation, but you can work with it in any small aspect you want on your own, just using the tarot contemplation or path working or working with the angel. It's, it's a card of movement, it's Sagittarius and it's transformation, but through controlled guidance and alchemy rather than just willy nilly or you know outright destruction or it's very different than just having like Thoth or some powerful being or some Martian angel or God come down and just make things happen and just do it no matter what. This is more about direction and seeing what's the quickest way from here to there and uh and temperance is the key and uh, balance moving between those pillars of force and form with delicacy and rather than just bouncing back and forth between them up the pathway of nature like you know with all this vigor and energy just you know battering your own sphere of sensation which has its place and its time and certainly does uh that kind of vigorous energy i mean you'll feel it if you ever do a middle pillar using all the sephira going down the lightning flash it's a very different energy and uh can be more unbalancing than just focusing on the middle pillar because we aren't perfect beings we're we're pro in the process of tikkun all the time of restoring ourselves to be more from our false to our true self and therefore we already are unbalanced and that's why we do a middle pillar rather than just the whole tree all the time people think that doing the whole tree or a full tree uh, middle pillar <laughs> full tree middle pillar is gonna be more full or balanced is it's not correct because you already have these force and form pillars on either side these these radical energies that are always out of perfect balance with each other because that and that's based very much understood on your natal chart and how the planets are affecting you and acting within your sphere and that's why we just do the middle pillar and try and balance it and keep ourselves focused on that straight and narrow path but and that's that's where temperance is the guiding guiding light to that kind of spiritual direction and movement the subtlety of working with these energies but yeah sometimes you you want to bring down the house the devil card 15 the sovereignty and beauty of material and therefore false splendor soul acting through capricorn on mercury so it is here in this devil energy that we begin to see the magnificence and beauty of soul 
but mistakenly we believe that it is the splendor of the material world and thus our mind, Mercury, is imprisoned. It is through the overcoming this energy that we then open the doorway for our triumphant victory resides in Tiferet. So really the, the danger of the devil, it's a reminder that seeing the glory in the material is not bad, but you can't, like nature is, is harmonious and beautiful and matter matters, but it's not mattering in and of itself but it's mattering because it's a direct reflection of the divine light. That's the idea. You want to see matter's value as being not just something that exists because it's independent and therefore disconnected from the spiritual. You want to see its beauty because it's integrally, <laughs> intimately integrated with spirit. And that's where the beauty comes through. And the devil is when you forget the spirit behind matter is when you're shackled to the material in the negative sense. But otherwise, the devil represents a beautiful thing, the beauty of materiality and the sovereignty of it in this world uh, of material splendor, soul acting through Capricorn upon Mercury. These are very powerful energies of the sun working through Capricorn, which is an awesome force of nature and working upon the our, our mind, our Mercury. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's really, I think, the devil card is one of the secrets to appreciating life. Uh, if you can appreciate this physical world fully, but not get lost within it. So that, you know, it's like you see that with people who gather many things in their lives, but they're not bound by them versus people who gather many things in their lives and define themselves by those things. Next, we have the tower. Nice comparison, eh? It's really interesting to sort of see them. You can, there's a lot of, there's a little, the, the tree of life uh, Kabbalistic symbolism there with the two Yasodes, of course, is lost in, in Crowley's card, but that's okay. They each had a thing. I, this is definitely how the tower card feels to me in my experience, but this has the symbolism that I like to work with, especially that little, little lightning flash you know, which not everyone would get looking at the card that that's a lightning flash destroying the tower. It's the divine will of creation, the cosmogenesis that's actually causing this destruction of the tower. And is that tower the first spheres, the original vessels of the tree of life destroyed, causing the shells to be formed in the clipote and the God's self-restriction through Tsimtsum? Yeah, it's that, but it's also that happening in us all the time, that circulation. So Mathers of the Tower says, victory over splendor, victory over splendor. This is Venus acting through Mars upon Mercury. It is an avenging force. Here we see the all destructive force of the tower energy. It is this incredible insoluble desire of Venus acting through this destructive power of Mars upon the intellectual aspects of Mercury. Contemplating this will yield many rewards, I, I promise you. So make note of that, but we won't dwell too much on it here. I, I hope that doing this process and showing the tools and corresponding angels, really just mainly if it can open your mind and creative imagination to different ways to bring this stuff into your ritual, that's the best thing you could get out of it. Um, because there's no, no book, no exercises you could read or do that will ever give you a full understanding of 
any part of the tree of life or of alchemy of the tarot or your ritual work or angels that you work with or spirits, none of that, but it's seeing creative ways to integrate them together. That's what seems to me to keep magicians in it for the long run and really on the path for decades and their whole life even is when they, the ones who have gained an understanding of how this stuff can be put together in different and creative and powerful ways, as opposed to the ones that sort of just look at little bits of it the system, keep them isolated and don't imagine and do the work. A lot of, a lot of that limitation will come from not actually doing the, a large, wide range of ritual work. But when you do it and mix it all together, you see so many opportunities for integrating this stuff, even to the extent of, well, if you consider the, the, the six equals five grade in the Golden Dawn, part of the work was traditionally to actually make your own magical system. So one day, if you were planning on going all the way in the hermetic path, that would be something that you'd realize you have to do. And thinking in this sort of, you know, lateral uh, creative way is very, very key to that. And now my, my card, the star card. Again, very distinct symbolism uh, and, and numbers there. I love that in this star card, you have a woman pouring both the red and blue vessels into the water, whereas in temperance, it's pouring one on the water and one on the sea, I believe, right? I think that, or no, it's one, one, to the, one vessel to the other. And then here the vessels are being emptied out, right? And I love the star in, 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 in uh, the thought that it's just gorgeous. Unfortunately, he attributes it to hay and not Sadi, which is just heresy, heresy, messing with my card, ha, huh. humbug. Stars, very short. The victory of fundamental strength. Venus acting through Aquarius upon Luna. Hope and charity. I think that really does sum up the essence of Aquarius. Um, the victory of fundamental strength. Because the strength of Aquarius is fixed air. It's an air sign and it's fixed. It's not cardinal or immutable. And its strength is that victory of that strength of conviction of, of, of gnosis. And yet it is so interesting that it's Venus acting through Aquarius upon Luna in the star card, because there is this very Venusian, especially as the symbol of Dalit and the door leading to the sun, which we have with Venus, uh, that force acting through Aquarius upon the moon, and then having this hope and charity sense, which is also known through the humanitarian vibe of Aquarius, which is an outer, outer planet, uh, outer house uh, sign that's more concerned, of course, with the world and humanity than about personal gain, like Leo, it's shadow sign. The moon. Well, I take another sip of kombucha. I don't really love kombucha, but I found it really helps uh, digestion in stomach. So it's not really done up here in Canada. When you ask people about kombucha up here, kombucha up here, most people will tell me, they say, you mean that, that dr drink that tastes sort of weird? I go, yeah, it's on taps down in California, like everywhere. It's like America, you've gone kombucha mad and up here people are like, ew, but I love it. The moon. I should have been holding these up the whole time. Hey, just as a fun little comparison for to whatever deck you have in your hands, but live and learn. It's much, uh, it's very different teaching online to and on Zoom to classrooms, but you know, I'll evolve and get better at it with your help. The moon card, 
the victory of the material. Shocking, right? That the moon would be called the victory of the material. Venus acting through Pisces upon the cosmic elements. It is here that we have a deceptive effect of apparent power of material forces. But we must remember that this is the deceptive. This is deceptive because it is clouded through the subconscious mind and the fears of Pisces. Think about that. The sun. The sun. That's just gorgeous, isn't it? But again, I love the, the simplicity and the base symbolism, all the yods here floating around the sun. Just, I wish, yeah, it's almost like you want to have all the cards in your head all at once or have them just evoke their own powerful reality in your own being. That's why tarot contemplation rituals are just powerful because the card becomes its own card in, you, in your sphere, in your mind and, and in your, your life. And that's what you want. The sun, the splendor of the material world Mercury acting through the sun upon the moon. So we have the highest card of intellect, the sun, because of its mercurial aspect, acting upon the infinite power of the sun upon the ocean, the emotions of the moon. Yes, the, the, the sun is, is using mercury to act upon the moon. And if you know where, where it lies on the tree of life in, in the traditional, in the GD schema, which I believe is, is originally from Alephis Levy, why they didn't use um, the Win Westcott uh, slash, uh, which format, which it doesn't make really, I, I'm not sure why Mathers and the Golden Dawn didn't use Win Westcott's formulation, which is also the formulation you see in Aria Kaplan, which is, he's a you know, pure Hebrew Kabbalist. So they were in agreement and Mathers certainly was involved with Westcott's thing. And this is something Skinner mentions as well. Um, but who knows? We will talk about formats and path outlines in, in deep Kabbalah classes later on. But for now, it's way more important when you get to that Kabbalah stuff to have like all this practice under your belt, like just have done all the, the contemplation rituals and, and meditations and even path workings and even angelic stuff, which we'll quickly get to here, just wrapping these cards up. There's the sun. The Aeon, or as it's called, Judgment, with Shin, the letter that corresponds to that card. Judgment, the splendor of the material world. Mercury acting through fire upon the cosmic elements. This is the element of thought being purified and consecrated by the element of fire upon the four elements. Thought being purified. We all have to be judged whatever we think about the world, hey? And uh, there's a lot more to this card, of course, and uh, heavily worth exploring. So I'll leave you to, to do that in your own good time. Let's get to the angels before we're done. So moving on to the universe, the last card. The foundation of the cosmic elements of the material world. Here we have Luna acting through Saturn upon the elements. Luna acting through Saturn upon the elements. It is here that we see the nephesh, which is the lowest, the fourth layer of the soul, according to these formats, uh, the power of Yesod in Luna, or the reflection of the light of the sun acting through Saturn, which is the old planet, the planet that gives life and death 
upon the other four elements. Now the nefesh is, you could say the lowest level of the soul if you were going with a, a chia, neshama, ruach, and nefesh schema, but there's also the goof, and then there's things uh, like the yechida. But again, we'll, deal, we'll put that aside for advanced Kabbalah stuff, which we'll get to in the, in the autumn. We're not gonna do advanced Kabbalah for a while. It's just highly technical. And really we wanna make, give, that gives everyone like from now till September to make sure your Hebrew is, is pretty down. You need to have all those correspondences really down in your mind um, for, for the Kabbalah to really come to life when you, when you start looking at it. So those are the McGregor Mathers, very interesting uh, insights based on Kabbalah and, and the, the tree of life of the cards. Um, very quickly, the, the next tool that's worth using in your pathworking, evocations, any, all your card work, can we call it card work? Yeah, um, are the mystical titles of each card. And you can find this stuff online, I'm sure, but just going over it quickly, the fool is the spirit of the ethers. So these titles really are, um, a lot of people don't even know they're out there. And that's why I'm covering them so that you know they're out there and really worth working with. Some of them have two and some of them just have one. The mystical titles I think are more interesting than even the, the names of the cards themselves. The, the, and these are worth memorizing, uh, <laughs> I say as I read them. But yeah, I did have to pass many tests with them for many years and didn't work with them much after that. You, you can only sort of work with so much stuff. But uh, as I get back into um, zodiacal work, I, it's something I would, I would definitely consider re-memorizing. You have to sometimes decide what you're going to re-memorize. Like, are you going to memorize all the Enochian calls or are you going to memorize the walls of the vault or... You know, there's just a lot. So here's the titles that for during the, my early adept years, I was going hardcore with the with the angels that corresponds to correspond to the netavot, the paths, and therefore these titles were very useful to me. And that's that was what I first focused on as a young adept um, in 2000. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Eh? The fool, the spirit of the ethers. Mage, the magician is the magus of power. The high priestess is the priestess of the silver star. The empress is the daughter of the mighty ones. The emperor is the son of the morning, also chief among the mighty. The hierophant is the magus of the eternal gods. The lovers is the children of the voice divine, also oracles of the mighty gods. The chariot is the child of the powers of the waters or sometimes I've heard it called powers, child of the powers of the water of life, actually. And uh, Lord of the Triumph of Light. That's the chariot. Um, strength, daughter of the flaming sword. Also leader of the lion. Hermit, magus of the voice of light, the prophet of the gods. Wheel of Fortune, Lord of the forces of life. Justice, daughter of the Lord of truth the holder of the balances. The hanged man is spirit of the mighty waters. Death, child of the great transformers, lord of the gates of death. Temperance is daughter of the reconcilers or the bringer of forth of life. Devil is lord of the gates of matter, child of the forces of time. Tower, lord of the host of the mighty. Star, daughter of the firmament, the dweller between the waters. 
moon, ruler of flux and reflux, child of the sons of the mighty, sun, lord of the fire of the world, judgment, spirit of primal fire, universe, the great one of the night of time, which is a truly lovely title. So those titles uh, are what I would use um, along with the cards in, in evocation or invocation of an angel. So whether you're praying to the angel and communing with the presence of the angel or trying doing a, an actual evocation in a triangle or drawing a spirit into crystals or scrying through a bowl, however, whichever of the many different techniques you want to use, those, those mystical titles with the cards are incredibly powerful and you could use them to even adorn your own, your own sigils that you're making is using these mystical titles um, along with the Hebrew angel names of those paths when you're working, especially for rituals that are involving alchemical change or transformation within yourself, not just trying to get something in the world necessarily, but trying to gain and grow an understanding of, of whatever you're struggling with. I mean, that's really the, the powerful alchemical tool these provide us, not just psychologically, but also physically and working magically in the world. All right, that time flew by. Let me see if I have any questions before I turn this recording off and uh, leave us to our discussion. <laughs> I like the little bird in the star in Smith deck. I'm in Ontario. Well, hello, Ontario. Much love to Ontario. You guys uh, are dealing with uh, that that Ford dude who's running the place, right? I'm not sure if he's good or bad, but he seems to make a lot of people upset. So you have my many best wishes for the, the struggles of quarantine in Ontario. River, cheers. Love the talk, but had to run. That's cool. Yeah, we did go long. That, went, that did fly by. I could have maybe moved more quickly, but who knows? Yeah, the mystical names, you didn't know what mystical, I know, they're so cool. They're super cool, these mystical names, and everyone should know about them. Everyone should be using them. Uh, when I wrote uh, invocations and stuff, I would look for the cards that were at play in parts of the invocation and even use those mystical titles or adjust the mystical titles with the invocation I was writing for whatever angel or god I was doing an invocation with, Celtic gods, Haitian god, you know, look for their influences in the tarot. It's very easy to look at the, the, the trumps and see the influences of any spiritual being and see which ones they sort of speak to. And then you can use those mystical titles and even the angel names, which I did send in a file with the angel names. I sent an image, a graphic with dots after it that you can then just use those names and fill them out. And finding the Hebrew of those names is, is something worth doing yourself um, because you do want to, you want to work for things. You want to have to look for things and find things. Then when you find them, it's very rewarding. And you've done some actual magical scholarship on your own. You don't want to ever be force fed stuff. The more, the more gaps that are left that you know how to fill in, you know, that you're not just completely blind to how to follow them is useful. That challenge is so essential. The fires of tests and trial, as we know them from the tetrahedrons that atop the two pillars of Yachin and Boaz. Initiation occurs through the fire of test and trial. And if someone's not putting you through test and trial, you have to put yourself through it. There's just no two ways about it. And that's what you'll find is most rewarding. So um, there we go. I'm going to uh, stop the recording and we can uh, chat. 
Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.